This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We originally had scheduled uh, an interview with the authors of Trick or Treatment, the undeniable facts about alternative medicine, those authors being Simon Singh and Dr. Edzard Ernst. We are very much looking forward to this interview, but unfortunately it has to be put back a week. This is a great book, and we're very much looking forward to talking to the authors about it. But you know, it's a bit of a godsend because we have so much material. It's still in backlog. We're going to try and debulk that. Also on next week's show or the week after, we're going to talk to the author of 1,000 Recordings You Should Hear Before You Die, which I think is an especially uh, excellent topic um, to talk about, well, in general. And the fact that at KDVS... uh, We pride ourselves in the fact that you get to hear a lot of different genres, a lot of music, a lot of recordings that you're not going to hear on commercial radio or in very many other places. So I'm expecting a little bit of help from some of my fellow DJs here at KDVS, uh, probably foremost among them, Rick Ely, who uh, every year teaches the uh, incoming bunch of DJs uh, quite a bit about music and quite a bit about how how to operate on the radio. So well, we hope very much to hear from Rick and, and, and a lot of other the good people here who week in and week out bring you some eclectic musical choices that, uh, you know, you, as you well know, you don't get just anywhere. So let us plunge ahead as we like to do, starting with On This Date in History, which in our case for today's program is September 4th. It was on September 4th in the year 476 by traditional reckoning that the Roman Empire came to an end. That's when the German general Odoacer deposed the usurper Romulus Augustulus, considered the last of the Western Roman emperors. And of course, you historians will know that uh, the Roman Empire actually persisted in, in its eastern half in Byzantium for about another thousand years. That was until the headquarters in Byzantium, later known as Constantinople, fell to the Turks, and then became known as Istanbul, which I might add is a world-class city you should probably all visit sometime before you die. It was on September 4th in 1568 that the man who's reputed to be the English author William Shakespeare's father was elected the High Bailiff of Stratford-upon-Avon. If you listen to this program, of course, you're aware of the fact that uh, the author of all those plays and sonnets was probably actually the Earl of Oxford. We are pretty sure that the son of the guy that became bailiff on this day back in uh, 1568 was an actor and a businessman and had something to do with plays. And by the way, we're looking forward to revisiting this controversy when we talk to the authors of Web of Conspiracy, a guide to conspiracy theory sites on the internet by James Broderick and Darren W. Miller. We expect to get to those gentlemen, or at least one of them, in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be fun. Continuing on, on on this date in history, September 4th in 1781, Felipe de Neva founded the city in California, uh, which he called El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora de Reina de Los Ángeles de Porciúncula, which is, of course, today known as Los Angeles. 
you can see why they shortened it. On this date in 1957, Arkansas Governor Orville Faubus called up the National Guard to keep nine African-American students out of the all-white Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. He succeeded until President Dwight Eisenhower sent in federal troops. And finally, it was on this date in 1972 that Sacramento native Mark Spitz won his seventh gold medal at the 1972 Summer Olympics in Munich. Unless you've been living in a cave, you're no doubt aware of the fact that uh, that fabulous record was eclipsed at the Beijing Olympics by Michael Phelps. Of course, we would note that uh, Mark Spitz swam in a swimsuit, the traditional kind. No, we're not saying Phelps didn't deserve his eight gold medals, but uh, just, just a little bit perturbed about some of this high-tech innovations that have gone into these good times that uh, the people are producing at the Olympics. And a recent article, too, about the fact that apparently by making the pool a little bit deeper, it has some effects on the waves, the physics of which I don't really quite grasp. But, um, but apparently that also contributed to the good times at this Olympics, where I think 25 swimming records were broken, uh, as opposed to like eight at the, uh, at the last uh, Summer Olympics. Our quote of the day comes from uh, the immortal uh, basketball coach John Wooden, who once said, Don't let what you cannot do... Interfere with what you can do. Our quip of the day comes from comedian Sid Caesar, who once noted that the trouble with telling a good story is that it invariably reminds the other fellow of a dull one. Our joke of the day comes from the comment by Jay Leno that John Edwards uh, was not at the convention, actually, but like his marriage, he was there in spirit. Our stat of the day, referring to those uh, previously mentioned swimsuits, well, these Speedo full-body high-tech suits apparently cut down friction so dramatically while adding buoyancy that some experts say the suit can boost performance by 2%, more than enough to set world records. That was according to the New York Times. And it would appear that we are right on schedule on our program for the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for cheating. After the International Olympic Committee said that the documents supplied by the Chinese government, quote, seemed, unquote, to prove that their tiny gold medal winning female gymnasts were 16, as required by the rules. Government officials say that stories published in Chinese newspapers in 2006 describing several of the girls as 12 were the result of, quote, some misunderstandings, unquote. It was conversely a bad week for both losing gracefully and international diplomacy when after a Cuban taekwondo competitor who was disqualified during an Olympics match responded by kicking the referee in the face resulted in Cuban dictator Fidel Castro commenting he could not contain himself, later explaining that uh, the athlete Angel Matos was totally justified in responding to the referee's unfairness. Yes, Fidel Castro, never a stickler for following the rules. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for Alaskan politicians. And no, I know what you're thinking, but we're referring to the fact that Alaska Senator Ted Stevens, facing federal corruption charges, won 
his Alaskan Republican senatorial primary, capturing 63% of the vote in the process. Ted Stevens, age 84, was indicted in June for allegedly lying about accepting favors from an oil services company. He denies the charges. Stevens will face Anchorage Mayor uh, Mark Begich in November, and Begich is leading by double digits in the polls. Oh, and you can bet we're looking forward to talking <laughs> talking in a minute or two about uh, Sarah Palin. But first, we have to mention the Only in America file, which noted that an attempt to make the Democratic convention in, uh, in Denver the greenest ever, well, the Sheraton Hotel issued room key cards made from sustainably harvested wood instead of plastic. Guests arriving at the Sheraton quickly found out, however, that the cards did not work in opening their doors. After the complaints piled up, the hotel began issuing conventional plastic cards. The officials of the hotel, though, continued to to give the uh, wooden cards to arriving Democrats, suggesting they keep them as souvenirs. Oh, and it just occurs to me, and I I forgot to mention this on last week's program, that uh, apparently the Republicans were trying to make some political hay out of the fact that Obama has a brother over in Kenya, who's living in a shack. Of course, I'm sure this is, this is a half-brother. Nevertheless, this prompted one wag, and I think it might have been Jay Leno, to note that, uh, boy, the Republicans are never going to get any traction on, on that because, you know, who, who among us doesn't have a relative that they wish was living in a shack in Kenya? But uh, speaking of the interface between Kenya and politicians, we love this story. Uh, Citizens in Kenya were outraged uh, last week after press accounts revealed that the wives of the top officials running the country are receiving generous government salaries. According to a memo leaked to the media, the president's wife got $96,000 a year, while the wives of the prime minister and vice president got $72,000 each for their, quote, official hostessing, unquote, duties. I do always find it odd that they always refer to America's First Lady as if it was an official title. Come to think of it, why shouldn't we give the First Lady, you know, 70000 bucks to host some of those, uh, you know, diplomatic dinners? Anyway, we mentioned uh, another Alaskan politician a second ago. We do need to talk about Governor Sarah Palin. According to reports in the British press, which I've not seen, uh, you know, uh, contradicted anywhere else, she met John McCain... Once. John McCain apparently made a second phone call to her and apparently at that point offered her the job that puts her a heartbeat away from the presidency. You may have noted that earlier uh, this week at the Republican National Convention, the delegates were turning in their seats en masse and shouting, tell the truth to the skyboxes, their target, the television networks and rest of the quote, liberal mainstream media, unquote. Now, there are, of course, people who believe that there is such a thing as the liberal mainstream media. There are people who also believe in Bigfoot. Oh, and if you were taken in by the allegation by those couple of Southern cops that they had a Bigfoot corpse frozen in a box a few weeks back, well, if you were, it turned out that it was a rubber <laughs> gorilla suit along with some roadkill. Yeah, I wonder what those con- that, that uh, conspiracy book guys are going to have to say about UFOs and such. I'm looking forward to that. But no, some people believe there is such a thing as the liberal mainstream media. And uh, like we've said many times in this program, should say again, 
We regard this as like the Loch Ness Monster, something we've heard about our whole lives, but really haven't seen any good concrete evidence for its existence. But uh, Sarah Palin is, is quite a piece of work. She does not believe in abortion, even in cases of rape or incest. She apparently at some point, I think, opposed the Bush administration's efforts to, uh, to, to protect the polar bear. Her husband works uh, for an oil company. She's a lifelong member of the NRA. She thinks creationism has a place to be taught in our, in our public schools and doubts that human activity has anything to do with global warming. In short, she is kind of the conservatives, uh, she's the conservatives conservative. And I also understand she was the runner-up in the Miss Alaska contest. And, uh, you know, like a lot of arch conservatives, she doesn't seem to do quite so well in terms of, uh, you know, practical matters. Uh, her 17-year-old daughter, it was revealed after McCain picked her, is pregnant. Oh, but uh, according to Republican sources, she plans to marry the father. But, of course, having a young, attractive female up there in the dais next to, you know, white-haired, wrinkled John McCain may not have been quite the image the Republicans should have been looking for. In terms of image, I don't know if you caught the picture in the Sacramento Bee of, uh, of Sarah Palin at home with the stuffed bear, or the bear pelt, lying next to her, along with what appears to be some sort of stuffed Alaskan king crab acting as a display on her coffee table. On the good side also, it appears that all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the cacophony we've been hearing from the Republicans about how Barack Obama has no foreign policy experience, and my goodness, he's been on the job for such a short period of time. Can we possibly trust America to this man? Well, Sarah Palin appears to have knocked all of that into a cocked hat. At any rate, it's, uh, it's too, too soon to say that Sarah Palin is going to be John McCain's uh, Dan Quayle. But uh, when you go to the splash page on Google, and, and uh, the headline number one is Republican operatives insist that Sarah Palin was thoroughly vetted before John McCain chose her. Well, that's, that, that can't be good. And if you've been following politics for as, uh, as long as uh, this correspondent has, you do know that the Republicans do like to, um, like to choose impeachment insurance. Uh, back in the early 1970s, I can tell you, there was no way no way Richard Nixon was going to be impeached when that was going to put Spiro T. Agnew in the Oval Office. But once it was revealed that Agnew continued to take bribes from Maryland highway contractors despite the fact that he was no longer governor and could no longer really benefit them and uh, got himself uh, you know, tossed out of office on account of all that, that is when the serious efforts began to, to go after Nixon in the way of impeachment. In a similar fashion, in 1992, when George Herbert Walker Bush chose J. Danforth Quayle to become his running mate, well, that meant that pretty much no matter what Bush 41 did, no one was going to impeach him. And I would remind uh, listeners that, you know, in the past a couple years, whenever anyone seemed to get up any enough courage to even talk about the I word regarding W, uh, everyone just kept saying, won't do any good. Just makes Cheney president. Of course, a lot of folks have been speculating all along as to whether Cheney really has been the president these past seven years. And, uh, uh, well, I think you can make the case for that. Although I must say, whoever managed to get this picture of, of Cheney that was in the paper a couple of days ago where he looks sort of almost grandfatherly and, and almost vulnerable, man, that, that guy ought to get the Pulitzer Prize. 
you know, if they're putting if they're putting people on on trial uh, from Serbia for war crimes, all I can say is, you know, why aren't they looking at Dick Cheney, a man who was instrumental in getting a war started in Iraq that he personally benefited from financially, in which his company made vast, giant profits on the enterprise. Well. I think it's fair if uh, there's a trial uh, involving these issues, like they, they try war criminals. Seems fair to me. And I must say that uh, that uh, Newsweek with George Bush on the cover, I mentioned a couple weeks back on this program, what Bush got right, which is, uh, I think, a misnamed uh, article since it goes through a lot of what he got wrong. Nevertheless, what you see is the cover, Smiling Bush, what Bush got right, Turns out this is a special double issue and has been on stands all summer long, apparently. So when people are in the checkout line, they look over and there's this special edition of Newsweek with what Bush got right on the cover, which makes you think, well, yeah, you know, there, there were some things he got right. Of course, you have to keep in mind that in this article, things he got right are like the Bush administration's wise diplomacy with Iran. With lines like, oh, forget the muttering of various proponents of military action periodically leaked to newspapers. So yeah, Fareed Zakaria apparently discounts any notion that uh, there are people working very hard to get a war going against Iran. But uh, speaking of uh, special political discussions, the B some time back uh, put a list of both, uh, both parties' potential vice presidential candidates listing their strengths and weaknesses. And I decided not to get into any of that at the time because I figured who they pick is, you know, who, who they pick. But it's interesting to go to look back now and realize that, yes, Joe Biden and Sarah Palin were on both short lists. Interesting reminder that Joe Biden has run for president three times. I thought it was only two. The uh, article also noted that he's a Catholic, which is thought that this might help, uh, help Obama with a group that he did not attract in the primaries. It was noted that his minuses are that he's prone to gaffes and talks too much. <laughs> and as an old Washington hand, this sort of undercuts the change message. But I really want to quote from what they said about Sarah Palin. Her pluses? She's hot where McCain's not. Named America's hottest governor by Alaska Magazine. Has her own draft Sarah Palin movement. Former athlete and beauty queen with four children named Bristol, Piper, track, and Willow, which could give McCain a shot at Marin County. Her husband, Todd, is a commercial fisherman and oil worker, and uh, poll ratings in the mid-80s uh, were among the highest of any politician in the country. But then we have to look at the fact that it could have been worse. He could have chosen Condoleezza Rice. There was also an article about surprising VP choices in the, in the, uh, in the wake of Sarah Palin. I'm sure many of you out there can remember back in 1964 when Barry Goldwater shocked the nation by choosing New York Representative Bill Miller as his running mate. As an aside, uh, former Congressman William Miller is the dad of radio personality Stephanie Miller. But I don't remember this, but apparently Goldwater, uh, after tapping this nearly unknown congressman from New York to be his running mate, explained that he had observed that Miller really annoyed Lyndon Johnson. The Republicans lost in a landslide. And uh, in 1984, when uh, Walter Mondale chose, New again, New York Representative Geraldine Ferraro, she became the first woman nominated as a vice president by the, a major party. 
But during the campaign, there were allegations of tax avoidance, shady business dealings, and possible mafia connections of her husband. The Mondale Ferraro team wound up carrying Minnesota and the District of Columbia. And while it's, too early, it's still too early to note whether Sarah Palin's going to be a disaster for, the, uh, for Team McCain, it's got some earmarks here. Rounding out our newspaper review, uh, Mark Sherman, writing in the Associated Press, reprinted in the Sacramento Bee, noted that uh, Supreme Court justices are not rushing to retire. Most particularly John Paul Stevens, 88, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, age 75, considered uh, liberals on the court, seemed determined to stay on uh, in the hopes that Obama will be elected and um, people appointed to replace them will not be in the mold of Sam Alito and John Roberts, let alone Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas. Will Durst uh, often refers to, <laughs> to uh, John Paul Stevens' doctor as the most important man in Washington. And now let's hear from our old pal, America's foremost comic, Will Durst, who's been observing uh, the various shenanigans at both political conventions. Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'm going to mock the Christian right for praying for a storm of biblical proportions to disrupt Barack Obama's outdoor acceptance speech. Because bless their little hearts, they got one. Unfortunately, the storm they summoned was the ghost of Katrina, who sent her younger brother Gustav up the same watery chute she terrorized three years ago, throwing a bit of a wet blanket on the party the Republicans are holding 1,200 miles north at the headwaters of the Mississippi. Oh, sure, now they pay it attention in New Orleans. Jeez, I wonder when that would be. Oh yeah, that's right. There's an election in eight weeks, and they're not doing well. Thankfully, Gustav did not live up to his sister's reputation as world-class bitch, so things are returning to normal up here in St. Paul, whatever that is, but normal might not be enough. Right now, the GOP brand is less popular than skunk-flavored pudding. I'm serious, if it were a movie, it would star Robert Davi and go straight to video. The Republicans have lost three consecutive special congressional elections, and everybody going to the confab up here in the Twin Cities had to search out that bathroom in the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport where Senator Larry Craig from Idaho had his famous attack of restless leg syndrome. Not to mention that this is where that bridge fell down over the Mississippi, reminding Americans of the trillions that we are not spending on infrastructure in order to blow on the Iraqi oil ministry. Add to that Bush's approval rating, which barely rises above stomach cramps, and you have to wonder if the president really chose to address the convention by satellite, or whether John McCain convinced him that St. Paul had been quarantined by an outbreak of plague-infested rats. Wouldn't be too far from the truth. <laughs> For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Always good to hear from Mr. Durst. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's take a short break. 